are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is BaptistChurch.com. Well, amen, as the children make their way, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 1. Last week, I began a series called The Signs the Follower of Christ Cannot Ignore. The Signs that the, Father of, the Follower of Christ Cannot Ignore. And uh, I guess this is a part two. Now, let me say this. The complexity of the subject from last week, this week, maybe even the next few weeks, requires your attention. Okay? And um, even at times an affirmation. In other words, sometimes when you hear something, you're going to say, Amen. The word Amen, Ami in the Greek, is the word so be it. It's a response of the believer to truth. So let's just practice that. All God's people said, Amen. You know, raising kids a lot of times, parent, that's a good thing. You're teaching your kids something, and in the car or around the table or in home, you'll just look at the kids. We used to do that all the time. We'd look at our little family. We'd say, and all God's people said, amen. amen. So be it. And uh, that's important. Sometimes, let me say this, there's nothing wrong with you saying, that's right. Let's practice. That's right. There's times when you may need to clap. Let's practice. Oh, my goodness. You know, what the, you know what the black African would tell us in Zimbabwe? They say, you white people know nothing about how to clap in worship. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to bring Midian back over here because I think I'm seeing that now. And we're going to, and all God's people said, amen. amen. And you're going to clap. That's right. So that's important. And then also note-taking. Let me encourage you to get your Bible, get a good notebook, get a journal, and, and keep notes. In other words, stay engaged. This week, I listened to a pastor that said this. He said, sometimes sermons are inspirational, sometimes they're informational, and that's what you're going to have today. Now, last week, we looked at the nation of Israel. Israel is God's chosen people, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. That's right. It's God's chosen people. In other words, God picked old Abraham, Abram, over there in the middle of modern-day Iraq, and God said to Abram, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make out of you a great nation. You're going to be a nation of priests, and through you I'm going to bless all the rest of the world. God entered into the Old Testament, Old Covenant, this agreement between God and Abram and his descendants, and we call them the Jewish people or the Jews. Now, if you look all the way back through history, you're going to find that the Jews have always been kind of the focal point or the pivotal point of every major uh, world power. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Medes and Persians, Persians, uh, the Greeks, the Romans, all the way through to where they got their independence by way of the British Empire, Auto-Turks, and they became an independent nation. Now remember today, the Jewish people add up to one-fifth of one percent of the world's population, and yet, for example, they've won 23 percent of all Nobel Peace Prizes. Their land in 1948 was worthless, useless, no good at all. 1867, Mark Twain went to the land of Israel. He said he didn't see one shrub, one tree, one human being. Nobody wanted that land. But God said to Abram in that covenant relationship, Abram, this is my land and I'm deeding it over to you. And God has watched over and blessed the Jewish people. Uh, now Hamas, here in the last few weeks, Backed by Iran, make no mistake, Iran had, uh, did a preempted strike. Killed a lot of Jewish people. Why? Because this is a spiritual war, and you and I need to remember that. There's a spiritual war. Now, Hamas, backed by Iran, um, 
Hezbollah, all of these terrorist organizations, everybody listen closely, they are set out, Iran has made it clear, to wipe the Jewish people and the nation of Israel off the map. They want them out. They want to get rid of them. You, hey, no, what Pharaoh tried to kill all the Hebrew children. Um, Haman tried to kill all the Jewish people. Um, Herod, when Jesus was born, tried to kill all the people. Remember, all the boys being born. Remember, the enemy, Satan, has a, an agenda, and that's to wipe out the Jewish people. So you and I get a little bit of the miracle, and that's what I was saying last week. The survival of the nation of Israel is a miracle of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now look at Matthew 24. Jesus left, verse 1, Jesus left the temple, was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. That would be the equivalent of somebody walking with you among all of the monuments of Washington, D.C., looking, looking at you and telling you there's coming a time when all of these buildings will be destroyed. You would look shocked if the Lincoln Memorial were all of a sudden to be destroyed. He said, I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And everybody looked this way. They asked three questions. Be like you and I in Washington, D.C. When, if we were walking with Jesus, we would look at Jesus and say, Jesus, when will this happen? When will all of these monuments, when will this temple, as the disciples were asking, when will it be destroyed? It was one of, it was Herod's, one of the wonders of the world, architecturally. What will be the sign of your second coming, the second advent? He came one time, he's coming again. And what will be the end of the age? Those were the three questions. Now in verse 4, Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted. You'll be put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm in the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Hamas, the Iranians did what the enemy wants, and that is basically this, to remove the Jewish people from the planet. And if you don't have a biblical worldview that understands spiritual warfare and the fact that you have an enemy and I have an enemy and that enemy is called Satan and he has a demonic army and in the spiritual world right now they're very busy. Now everybody look this way. If God could pull back somehow that veil so that you and I could see spiritually what's going on right now, it would frighten us beyond all comprehension. We'd be afraid. We're, we're, Paul said it in Ephesians 6. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We've got a spiritual battle that is going on in a spiritual realm. So Hamas, Iran, the attack on the Jewish people, is just simply what the enemy has always tried to do since God entered into a covenant with Abraham. Victor Davis Hansen 
a remarkable man. Uh, Ledge, you listen to him a lot. Just brilliant military historian. Victor Davis Hanson, in an interview, spoke of the Cornell professor who made this statement. This is out of our academic, some of our institutions. He said of the bombing of Israel. He said, I was energized, exhilarated by the scene of Israel being bombed. Black Lives Matter in a, in a, in a, in a march had a poster that spoke of wishing that they had a hang glider to bomb Israeli children. It's a hatred. Columbia University, a Judah, Jewish student, was attacked and beaten. George Washington University Law School uh, had demonstrations. In other words, even now, Semitic, anti-Semitic uh, feelings in this country are at a 37% increase. Wow. Joel Rosenberg, in an interview, who, and Joel Rosenberg has dual citizenship both in the United States and in Israel, in Israel, he said this. He said, when Hamas attacked Israel, they kidnapped a Holocaust survivor. He said, think about that. Somebody endured the Holocaust where over six million Jews were killed. Let me explain that. Hitler, the Nazis, when they were killing over 6 million Jewish people, they took the skin of children, Israeli children, dried it, and made wallets out of it for the Nazi officers. And the only way you could understand that is to understand that there is a demonic power behind it. Joel Rosenberg said this in an interview. He has dual citizenship here and in the United States. He said children were, born, were burned alive. Israeli children were burned alive in front of their parents. Parents were burned alive in front of their children. Babies were decapitated. Rosenberg said the only thing that he could say is it looked as if it was demonic. Daily Wire said this, women, children, and babies were raped so viciously that it broke their pelvis. And you may say, why? Because we have an enemy. And that enemy, my friend, listen, he hates the Jewish people, and listen closely, and he hates you and I. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the Abrahamic Covenant of the Old Testament, you and I, the Bible says, Paul said, we've been grafted into the family. And you know what the Iranian and you know what these terrorist organizations say? They say this, they want to kill all Zionists. And that not only means the Jew, that means the church. You and I have an enemy. Hold your Bible. If you've got one, if you don't, hold your phone, I guess. Hopefully it's not on social media it's on the bible app you see this bible right here it has unbelievable clues to the mystery of end time it's unbelievable let me give you an example and i shared this um wednesday night jonathan khan and i'm i'm gonna be sharing his name later in a couple of weeks jonathan khan in an interview with gary hambrick at cornerstone chapel said this in fact, Gary Hamrick, this large megachurch, great, uh, really enjoyed Gary Hamrick, listening to him. But in this interview with Jonathan Kahn, Jonathan Kahn told him this. He said, uh, New York City was established September the 11th. Everybody look this way. You should be looking this way. He said the Pentagon, the cornerstone of the Pentagon was set in place on, you want to guess it? September 11th, 9-11. Can I ask you uh, what happened in New York City, the great, greatest, worst terrorist act that's ever been committed against this country, even greater than Pearl Harbor, where my dad served, was the bombing of uh, New York, established in 9-11, bombed in 9-11 in the worst terrorist act. The cornerstone of the Pentagon was set in 9-11, and the same people who bombed New York City, Twin Towers, bombed the Pentagon. Do you think it could be possible that our Bible has a clues and indications as to what God 
knows in the future already. Remember this, when Moses asked God, what is your name, what did God say? I am. You know what that means? Everything's in the present tense. If this room represented time, space, and matter, and that wall was the beginning of time, and that's the consummation of the end of time, and this is, this is God, God's transcendent. It's a theological term, means that God is outside, beyond his creation, everything's present tense. You know what he was saying to Moses? He said, I am. It's all in the present tense to me. God doesn't have no past tense. God doesn't even have a future. God's omniscient. He knows it all. And guess what he does? He says, I want to bring you up here and show you a little bit. Why would he do that? Because he loves us? Because he wants us not to be filled with fear? And because he wants us to be busy, right? So your Bible has all kinds of clues. Now, in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, let me just read this. Jesus seeks to help his followers understand that prior to his coming, his return, there will be signs, clues to the mystery of his second coming or the advent. You know, I don't have time. I wanted to get into all of this. Now, let me say this. Israel is a big piece of the puzzle when you're looking at eschatology in time, when you're talking about what will happen at the end of the age. Look to Israel. That's what the Bible says. But I don't have time to take you to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. You do that on your own. Basically, Paul talked about the rapture of the church. I don't have time to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where Paul says, everybody listen, look this way. When the rapture of the church takes place, the snatching up of you and I, God's people, God's children, when he snatches us up in that moment, because he's delivering us, the Bible said, from the wrath that is to come, that's a pre-tribulation view. In other words, we're going to be raptured, all hell's going to break loose, and all of a sudden the world and all its chaos is going to come together in an international government headed by the Antichrist. God said, I'm going to deliver you from that. And that moment's going to come like a thief in the night, twinkling of an eye. In that moment, and Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he said to the church of Thessalonica, he said it's going to take the world like a thief in the night. He said, but to the body of Christ, it'll be like noonday. We've been looking. Why? Because we're reading the signs. Now, let me give you something real quick. I want you to hang your hat on this. Take a left, go over there past Malachi in the Old Testament. I want you to see this. Real quickly, okay? Uh, Zechariah chapter 9, let's see, verse 9. When you get there, say amen. amen. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, watch this. Zechariah, over there past Malachi, just keep slipping on back through the Old Testament, almost to the end of the Old Testament there. Take a left from Malachi. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Watch this, everybody look this way. Or look on your Bible. Rejoice greatly, O, o daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having what? Having salvation, gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, in the foal of a donkey. Now, everybody look this way. Did that come true? Okay. Zechariah, about 500 years before that event, said this. He said to the nation of Israel, now listen, they're in exile. They've been in exile. Temples destroyed. Walls are destroyed. Nehemiah, I meant Zechariah is coming back. Now when Zechariah is giving this prophecy, he's telling the Jewish people, there's coming a day when you're going to look in the city of Jerusalem and you're going to see your king coming on a colt, on a foal, on a donkey. And he says, you'll rejoice. And we call that Palm Sunday, where they laid down those palm branches, where they laid those palm branches down and Jesus came in on that donkey. Do you remember that? Let me ask you, what did the religious leaders do? They got upset and they told them to shut it up. They said, Jesus, you need to stop that. You know what Jesus said? He said, listen, if I stop these people from praising and worshiping me, the rocks will cry out. Why? Because that was a messianic passage. Now, listen closely. 
Look at chapter, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1. This is the word of the Lord concerning Israel, the Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, who forms the spirit of man within him, declares, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding people reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her. I'll make her an immovable rock. Now everybody look this way. If he... God, through Jesus Christ, fulfilled Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and Jesus fulfilled that passage. Do you think God's going to fulfill Zechariah chapter 12? Right? Well, let, let's look. Let me give you one. We may not have a lot of time. Take a, take a right and go over to Revelation 13, uh, 16. I would let my... Uh, New Testament scholar Davion, because he and the youth have been going through Revelation chapter 16. Are, are you here, Revelation? Okay, you're not here yet, so hopefully they'll learn something. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. Now, real quickly, let me, let me just say one thing. Revelation, the word revelation means youth. What does it mean? It means to unveil. It means to pull back the curtains. So revelation is God unveiling or pulling back the curtain so that you and I will know what's coming, what's getting ready to happen. Okay, that's what God wants us to know. The book of Revelations has three series of judgments. It has the seal judgments, it has the bowl judgments, and it has the trumpet judgments. Now, in Revelation chapter 16, verse 12, watch this. The sixth angel poured out his bowl, so this is the second series of judgments. On the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. In other words, everyone look. The Bible says this. The Bible says it from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible says of the world, the consummation of the age, the world will come into a final battle called Armageddon. It will be fought in the valley of Megiddo. The valley of Megiddo is over 200 miles long. The Bible says that it will be such a loss of life that the blood in that valley will flow to the, to the height of a bridle of a horse. That'll be the massive loss of life. The Bible says that there'll be armies of 200 million coming out of the east. And you know what the Bible says at the Battle of Armageddon? The Bible says that out of the east will come an army of over 200 million. China already has over 200 million foot soldiers ready. They will march, and the Bible says they won't even have to stop when they come down to Israel. They won't even have to stop because God will dry up the Euphrates River. Let me read to you. The Euphrates River is a major source in Western Asia. This 1,740-mile-long river flows through Syria, Turkey, and Iraq. It serves a population of about 60 million people. Unfortunately, this major water, water source right now is drying up due to, now they say, climate change. Everybody listen closely. The enemy will always have a reason other than God's. So all the, all the experts, meteorologists, all these people that are gathering together are saying that the Euphrates River is drying up. Now listen to this. The Center for Strategic and International Studies in an article titled, The Cradle of Civilization Cries for Help, stated that the Iraqi Ministry of Water Resources warns that the Euphrates River will be completely dry by 2040. Yeah. Would you say we're living in the last days? Did God give you a clue? You better believe it. You know why? Because God says to you and I, don't fear, but be busy. And if you don't know me, you better know me through Jesus Christ. Now, uh, uh, number two, since Syria is mentioned to whom, listen to this, the country of Syria, 85% of the agricultural demand for water for Syria is met by the Euphrates. The country right now is suffering from famine and cholera. An editorial written in the Durango Herald said this, Damascus, you heard that in your Bible? 
Damascus, Syria, is the oldest continuously, a continuous inhabited city in the world. It's the oldest city in the world. According to Bible prophecy, however, according to Isaiah 17, Damascus and Syria will be a ruinous heap, deserted and uninhabitable. Are we living in the last days? Euphrates River that that basically feeds 85% of all the need of Syria will dry up and Syria, God says in his word, will no longer be a viable player. Damascus, the oldest city in civilization, will cease to exist. Wow. Now in Matthew 24, Jesus goes on. He, turning back to Matthew 24, he gives us all kinds of signs. Now let me, let me put it this way. Sheila and I, um, uh, a lot of times she'll, she'll be cooking and getting supper ready. Now how I get out of housework is I have to walk the dog. So men, if you have a dog, get you a big dog that, that will bark and, be a, and raise a lot of cane so that you have to go walk the dog. So I have to go walk the dog. So Courtney, she lets me walk the dog and she gets supper ready. Now I've learned something. When I walk in there to the table and I see the napkin, the fork, the, the knife, I see the butter, because we love butter, much to our dismay. I see, the, the, uh, I, I see the table being set. I know that supper's getting close. Okay, I know that. Now, David, if I go in there and, and the tea is poured, man, we're ready to eat. She don't even have to say anything. She don't have to say wash up. I wash up, and I'm, I'm finding a place to sit. Now, when you and I look at these signs, these clues to this mysterion in the Greek, this, this mystery of God, Jesus gives us several clues. Now, watch what they are. Now, look at chapter 24, verse, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 5. What does he say the first sign will be? For many will come, what? In my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will do what? They'll deceive many. In other words, it's critical that you and I understand that prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, there'll be all kinds of false religious leaders. They'll be everywhere. And there'll be flawed ideologies, flawed systems that will promise deliverance, but in the end, they're just flawed. They're, they're hopeless. And that's happening everywhere. Listen to this. There's been a rise, first of all, a rise in Buddhism, Eastern mysticism, Islam in our penal systems is unbelievably high. Um, in fact, let me quote uh, um, this, this guy here named Steve Helm of Crescent, Pro Crescent Project. He said Islam is projected to grow by 77% in the United States by the year 2030. Cultic groups such as Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, they're everywhere and they're growing. But more so, listen to this, there is a massive increase in the occult and interest in magic. Generation Z, occultists, occultists, now let me explain, occult, cult, C-U-L-T, cult is Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, those different altered belief systems. Occult, O-C-C-U-L-T, occultic is satanic, it's demonic, okay? And all God's people said? It means you understand, okay? Now, Generation Z occultists who have a substantial number of followers on Twitter and TikTok now have a site called Witch Talk, which has 18.7 billion views. According to NBC, witchcraft, which includes Wicca, paganism, folk magic, and other New Age traditions, is one of the fastest-growing spiritual paths in America today. Listen to this. By 2040, the Euphrates is dried up. By 2050, in this article, it said the number of Americans practicing other religions outside the main world religions will triple due largely to the switching into other religions such as Wicca and pagan religions. 
In other words, man will look everywhere but to God. Secondly, watch this. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. You see it? Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 26. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. Nations will rise up against nations. You know, World War II was, they said, to end all wars. You realize how many peace treaties we've had? You realize that with all we do, that, that we can't seem to... You know what the Bible says? The Bible said wheat will be, wheat will be so valuable that men will sell... They'll, they'll trade you wine, the most expensive wines, in order to buy wheat to make bread. And you say, well, how could that happen? Do you know that Ukraine supplies one-third one of the world's supply of wheat? You think it's just a coincidence that Russia, which is Gog and Magog in the book of Ezekiel, do you think it's not strange to you that Russia has declared war on the Ukraine? Why? Because it is the breadbasket of the world. And let me tell you, you may say, well, you know, that's going to go on for a while. That's right. Everybody look this way. And you know, what they, you know what's going to happen? Wheat prices will go out of the roof. Bread will get higher and more difficult and expensive to even find it uh, because this is where we are. Is it a clue? Is God telling us something? Is he saying to you and I, Israel, the Middle East is at war? The continent of Africa is in one tribal conflict after another our nation seems to be severed at uh in several places as we become more tribalistic and we're talking about a war that you can't even begin to imagine you have no idea anybody ever been in a gas chamber anybody here i mean you've had uh david you haven't done this well when you go into a gas chamber, you go into a gas chamber in the military, they give you your mask, you put your mask on, you go into this gas chamber. You're fine. When I went in there, I didn't get a good seal. So the gas was coming in to the side of my mask. And you know what it'll do? When it gets in your eyes, unless somebody grabs your hands, you will reach and pluck your eye almost out of your head. It will hurt so bad. By the time they let us out of that gas they let us out of that gas chamber and I ripped that mask from my face, there were two men holding both of my hands because I literally at that point was screaming, wanting to pull my eyes out of my head. Do you realize the level of nuclear, biological, and chemical warfare and what it can do to our world? The Bible goes on to say, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 7, he said there'll be famine. Let me read to you. The global food crisis reports this. Right now, there is a global food crisis. Listen, the largest one in modern history. Since the UN World Food Program's creation in 18, 1963, never has hunger reached such a devastating high. War, fuel, and the cost is affecting famine and the threat of famine all over the world. You know what Jesus said when you see famine? Euphrates River drying up. Syria, Damascus, the oldest city in civilization, drying up, dwindling away because Euphrates is dried up. When you begin to hear wars and rumors of wars and you hear war everywhere, when you see famine And Jesus is saying, it may be closer than you and I think. He goes on to say, fourth, chapter 24, verse 7, he talks about pestilence and trouble. Listen to what the... If you don't hear anything else here, this, because this, if I have a soapbox, this is it. So just bear with me. Let me stand on my soapbox just for a few minutes. The Bible talks about pestilence. Everybody look this way. Pestilence and trouble. That's disease. Okay, so let me make that clear. That's disease. When you train in the military, you train for nuclear, biological, chemical. The middle one, the B, that's biological. That's a great threat. Chemical is what Saddam Hussein did to the Kurdish people in the northern part of Iraq. Biological is a whole different thing. But listen to this. The National Library of Science states... Humankind has lived with the danger of endemic, epidemic, and pandemic disease for thousands of years. 
16 pandemic events caused an estimated 147 million deaths. It is now generally accepted there is a significant, now listen, this is the government telling us this, there is a significant chance of the occurrence of future pandemics that will collapse our health system and especially in poorer countries. Goes on to say this, the danger of animal pathogens being developed and crossing into the human population is beyond anything we could comprehend. National Geographic said there are more viruses right now than there are stars in the universe. Gain of function is the greatest threat to humanity right now. What is gain of function? That is when scientists play God. When they take pathogens, diseases in animals, and they figure out how to transfer and make that disease where it will move from the animal world to humans. That's what we're living under. Bill Gates delivered a speech on April 18, 2018 at the Malaria Summit in London. He warned of deadly new diseases which could arise. He states, the world needs to prepare for pandemics in the serious way it prepares for war. And by that, listen to this, meaning mobilization of entire populations, here the sacrifice of global economics and the obliteration of democratic institutions and civil rights. And you may say, well, what does that mean? That means that he's saying that there'll come a pandemic, that the world will come together under a centralized government and we will give over our constitutional rights and we'll be subservient to it. Let me ask you something. What do you think the Antichrist, how do you think he's going to do it? Are we living in that time? I don't know, but I tell you one thing. We've got a dress rehearsal in this country of the government telling us we had no civil rights, told us what we would do and when we would do it, and if you didn't do it, if you didn't wear a mask or you didn't get the vaccine, the entire nation turned on you. We're living in that kind of world right now. One writer said this could be the step toward the platform of the Antichrist. You forfeit your constitutional rights. You become blindly subservient to an international totalitarian regime and the level of corruption begins to get in. Hey, I don't care whether you believe me or not. Listen to this. Robert Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy in his book, and isn't it strange that his uncle John died, was murdered, his, his dad was murdered, and King was murdered. But listen to what Robert F. Kennedy says in his book, which is the most documented book. I've, I got an earned doctorate from a Reformed Theological Seminary. I've never read a documented book like this. He gives this example. Stefan, if that's how you say it, Stefan Banzel, who was the head of the French company that built the Wuhan lab, which is in China, and where COVID originated, in which the French, listen to what the French said, the French warned it had been built neglecting to properly complete the negative airflow system, a critical piece of interest infrastructure to prevent the escape of a deadly pathogen virus, deliberately enhanced to create. In other words, what he's saying here, Robert Kennedy said the Wuhan lab it was developing a pathogen such as this. And by the way, uh, President Obama warned and tried to pull America out of that relationship, tried to stop it. But listen to this. The CEO of that French-based contra contractor became the head of Moderna, Moderna. If you don't know who that is, that's a pharmaceutical billion-dollar company who manufactures the COVID vaccine a faulty, questionable vaccine that fails to protect us from getting COVID and worse, from spreading it. Listen to what Kennedy went on to say. Banzel, the former contractor that built the Wuhan lab that went on to become the CEO of Moderna, 
by that time was the CEO of Moderna, listen to what he said, a partner of Bill Gates and Tony Fauci, operating a company that would be the primary beneficiary of the lab leak, quickly made Banzel, this former contractor who built the Wuhan lab and now the CEO of a pharmaceutical company, Banzel, making Banzel's 9% stake worth over a billion dollars. Bottom line, this pestilence most likely will be man-made. Are we living in those days? Was Jesus warning us? Was he telling us? If we could go back 50 years ago when New York City, would we say that somewhere in the future in 9-11 it would be bombed with the worst terrorist act that's ever been? I know I've got to close earthquakes. Matthew 24 Seven earthquakes increased from 12,635 in 2012 to 15,438 in 2022. According to experts, the number of disasters caused by earthquakes and the number of people affected by earthquakes have been steadily increasing. The earthquake in Peru a few years ago altered the, altered the tilt of the earth and shortened our day. I'll end with this one, persecution of God's people. Matthew 24, verses 9 and 10 said this, that we'll be persecuted. And because uh, prior to the coming of Christ, there'll be an apostasy. Many people will fall away. Matthew 24, 10. He talks about, in Matthew 24, verse 10, he says this, he said, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. They'll betray and hate each other. Do you feel that today? Do you feel more isolated and alone as a Christian? 1 Timothy 4, 1, Paul said this, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow, listen to this, deceptive spirits. You remember what we were talking about? Magic, the occult. They'll follow deceptive spirits, that means demonic, and teachings that come from demons. Matthew 24, 22, And except those days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Are we living in those days? The Bible says lawlessness will increase. Has it? Do you go through a green light anymore? Do people obey the law in this city, in this community? Do they obey the law right here at the light? The Bible says iniquity, lawlessness will increase. More and more people will rebel against the law. They'll rebel against authority. The, the Bible calls them in Revelation like a sea that's churning. You feel it? Baptisms among teenagers, the church annual report says this. It's decreased in the largest evangelical denomination, 95%. We're baptizing 5% of what we were baptizing uh, in 1997, 96. 25 years, a quarter of a century, we've dropped 95%. Why? Because children are turning what? Oh, listen. You can pull it up right here, can't you? Isn't that our God now? You can't carry on a conversation with nobody anymore. You don't have time to share the faith. You're too busy looking at this. You look at the, hey, you look at this at the light. You don't obey the law. You look at this sitting in a, in a doctor's office. You don't talk to anybody. You don't care. You don't ask anybody how they're doing. You don't really give a crap. You don't really care. Because why? Because the prince of the air has given you a tool now, and that's how you live. And if you can't get your Facebook, your Twitter, and you can't, get, you can't check social media, then you actually literally look like you're lost. And that's exactly how the Antichrist will control all of us. And guess what? The only thing you'll be able to do once you can no longer buy, sell, or do according to Revelation, you can't do it on your phone, they'll put it literally on your body. Why? Because of what? Credit card fraud? Identity theft? So we've got to put the number on the person. The Bible said that would happen. We're living in the last days. How long? I don't know. 100 years? 1,000 years? I don't know. But let me tell you, I'm not going to gamble. I'm going to be ready. And I can tell you, if I get a conversation with most people, you know what? I try to get the conversation around to Jesus, working around to Jesus. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but how long I'm going to be here, I'm going to try to turn every, every conversation 
If it's nothing more but Kanye, you looking at somebody and going, did you know in Revelation chapter 16, verse 12, that the Euphrates will dry up? Did you know that in 2040 that they say that the Euphrates will be completely dried? Is that strange to you? That's how you look at them. Is that kind of strange? You know, I close with this. Forgive me, Sheila. She just went, oh, no. Yesterday, I was working around the house, and so she went to run some errands, and she went by the pharmacy to get our medicines. Uh, how many of those medicines were mine? One. Just one. How many were yours? Okay, so she's looking at me with a really bad look. I may have to go home and eat with the Russells today. But anyway... Um, we get home, she's unloading the groceries, she gets everything out, and then she gets uh, the, you know, the pharmaceutical stuff, she says, I got your medicine, and then she starts looking around, I said, where's your, wait a minute, where's the medicine? And I can see fear, and then she runs out, she's tracing her steps, running out, running around out in the yard, and I'm going, what in the world's going on, you know? I've got important things here, Alabama's in a very critical moment here with Tennessee I don't have time for this and she's running around she goes in the car and boy I gotta tell she's really getting scared she comes back in and she says I can't find the medicine I said well think back what'd you do with it she said well I stopped and got gas and I cleaned my car out (laughs) now you have to understand Sheila don't always we have arguments about her not cleaning her car out (laughs) of all the times to clean your car out she said, I threw it in the garbage at the gas station in Brandon. I know it. And I said, well, come on. She's crying. She's crying. I thought of medicine away. So here we are. I'm driving. I'm trying to drive fast, get there. And you know how that goes. You get behind people that are, they don't have a care in the world. I get to, we get to the station, and would you know it? They had cleaned out the garbage cans and got them all up and thrown it into the dumpster. I love my wife. Now, let me say this. In between watching Alabama and Tennessee, I was changing out the wax ring in our toilet in the back when she told me that she lost the medicine. So I've been in the middle of sewage changing the wax ring. So I'm not in the best of mood, but I'm trying to be nice. But when the, And we go in there, and she says, well, I threw it in the dumpster. So guess what? Her loving husband crawls over in this nasty dumpster in this minute mart, and I'm digging through this stuff, filth, dirty, looking through this, and she's over there crying, and she said, well, try that bag over there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let me tell you, a lot of people know me about Brandon. Could you imagine people seeing me in, the, in a dumpster in Brandon. So I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm going through, I, I can't, I, and finally I just look, and she said, just, just, just forget it. <laughs> and, and we can't find it. Now I go back into that station, you know what I say? I say, I just want to let y'all know we didn't find it, but I also want to say this. I said, my wife's out there crying, and I said, not one of you, I said, you, you probably could have given us an idea where you threw the, ga- the bag of garbage away and you didn't even bother to tell us, help us, or do anything. And I want you to know something, that wasn't very Christ-like. And I walked out. Amen. You could clap for that one. Now, everybody listen. I love her and that's why I did it. And it didn't matter. I changed the wax ring because she asked me to. I could have lived with the leak for a while. It was a small leak. I didn't mind it. But she said, I can't live with that. It's nasty. So I just changed the wax ring, and then I'm digging around in the dumpster because I love her. Let me tell you somebody that loves you far more than I could ever love her. That is Jesus Christ. And you know what he did? You know what he did? He entered into the dumpster of our existence. He entered into a broken, fallen, sinful world system. And he dug through the rubble for you and I and saved us. He offers us salvation, forgiveness. Hey, listen, you're not sitting around going, well, man, we we may be in the last days. I'm afraid. I'm scared. He doesn't want you to be that way. You know what he says? You're looking up. Your redemption draws near. You're looking for for him to come. You're looking up. Hey, me and Willie going up, and I'm going to look over Willie and give him a thumbs up. You know, we're getting ready to go to heaven. 
But the only way you're going to go to heaven is if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, listen, you are in for a hell beyond anything you could possibly imagine. You don't want to be here. And I could spend all afternoon giving you one sign after another and I convince you that we're closer than we've ever been before. Do you know Him? Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to You. And Lord, we love You and we praise You. Lord, I know I've probably gone a little long today, but Lord, this has been a lot of information. It's been a lot of reminders to all of us in this room that from the drying up of the Euphrates to food crisis and shortages to pestilence to all of the signs that you give us, Lord, just to remind us that, hey, first of all, I love you. I'm coming. When those people went running out and they saw Jesus, sweet Jesus, as he was mounted on that colt, that foal that had never had a rider before, as he came into the city of Jerusalem, a shout. Palm branches were laid down. Crowds began to gather. People with broken, shattered lives were looking to Jesus with all of their sin, their rebellion, their hurts, their pains, their diseases, and all of that. They, like the woman with the issue of blood, were gathering around Jesus. And they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I love when Jesus said to religious leaders, I I can't shut them up. If I do, the rocks are going to start shouting. But Lord, may we realize that you love us. And the Bible says that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That you want all of us to be saved. That these signs are not only to say to the body of Christ, I need you to be busy about the Great Commission. I need you to be telling people. It's about getting your life where it needs to be so that you can tell a lost world. But it's also, dear Lord, a warning to those that have dabbled, who have played around with the things of God, but they've never given their life to Christ. That there may not be much time. In an hour that you think not, so cometh the Son of Man. That African-American quarterback for Alabama. They say that he sits in a dressing room with all of the activity around him with the earbuds in his ear and he listens to the Word of God. C.J. Stroud, the quarterback for the Texans in the NFL, made this statement and I've listened to his family's testimony. This young African-American, deeply spiritual, says it's not about my NFL career. It's about Jesus Christ. So, Lord, may we be like that. May we be that kind of salt, light, and yeast. And we'll give you the glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You come. May never be a moment like this moment. You come. If you need to spend a moment at this altar, you come. You pray. If you need to go to that cross there and kneel there. If you've got a friend, a family member, somebody God's putting on your heart right now, before you go and talk to them about their salvation, you come first and pray over them at this altar. May never be a moment like this moment. Do you know him? Mom, dad, do you know him? The rapture takes place. You walk to your nursery. Kids won't be there. You go to the elementary school. Your children won't be there. They'll be gone. Do you know Christ? Are you saved? You come.